The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, Full Tilt Weekend 2 is here. Uh, Wow. It's going to be a long week for you. What is uh, going through your mind as you start uh, this journey into, uh, you know, what, four days, five days of madness? Well, you know, we, I guess we got the easy day Wednesday because AEW is doing dynamite. So all I got to do is prepare some stuff. Uh, I got to pick up one of the guys at the airport Wednesday night. And I got to check them in because, you know, the Legends Tournament's got some young people. So I'm not sure how uh, a 20-year-old can check into a hotel casino in Vegas. So I'm going to have to handle that. Uh, Remy had a good idea. So we're going to try to put together like a mini documentary for the Legend Rise uh, tournament. Because we got a lot of great young talent that, you know, hopefully in two, three years, they're going to be people that you'll see every week on television. And be nice. it's nice to have that footage you know, their thoughts going in, what they've accomplished. And, you know, this this is another added addition of something that I have to do. You know, it's easy when all I got to do is book the matches. You know what I mean? Is it, is it true you're, uh, you're booking Rocky T versus Nick Gage on the uh, D- GCW? Yeah, that, that's what we're looking into. We're going to have a surprise for Rocky T, hopefully for the anniversary. You know. <laughs> Um, when you start thinking about the time that it takes to put into bringing all this together, for you, what essentially will be a successful payoff? Um, is it really just kind of getting that fan buzz and, you know, making sure the fans are pleased? Um, is it you know, seeing what the results of uh, Fight Plus are, um, if they even are giving you the right numbers. Um, what is it for you, you know, just kind of makes that achievement uh, worth the effort that needs to be put in to make something like this happen? To me, it's always about getting the brand out and it's the awareness and it's like doing something that other people aren't doing. And, you know, there's a handful of companies that everybody knows of uh, in the independent world that are doing good things, the Defies and the Prestige and even now West Coast Pro and PCW. And a lot of them are different than us because we run a school and we run multiple events. You know, I always say, oh, well, look at this show and they drew 600 and... And it's like, well, they build up one show every six to eight weeks, and that's it. That's the only time you could see them. 
when you have a wrestling school and you're trying to do a future shock and a high octane and you're trying to do all these different things and you're in the middle of a, a city where not only is there a few other wrestling shows, there's a thousand other shows that you're trying to get through. You know, last weekend it was EDC. This weekend it's AEW. You're spending a lot of money. Do you have the money? You know, we got people that are buying tickets to all the events. You know, right. we have Thursday. We have two Saturday. We have Joey's show Sunday. We got people renting the arena for two shows. We got Dave Meltzer on Saturday. There's so much going on that, A, not everybody can afford it. B, these are different types of shows. Yeah. If we just ran a regular high-octane why would anybody care? There's so much cool stuff going on with AEW. Why go to the show if you can go to the Fan Fest? Even though it's 60 bucks to go in and probably 100 bucks for an autograph, which is insanity, you know? But the bottom line is, you know, we got... And then GCW's on Friday night at the Silver Nugget that we're involved with with them. So... You know, once Wednesday, Thursday, I don't even know if those are, I guess those are the easy days, you know, but Friday I have to do some stuff and be at the Nugget and we have set up, and not that I have to be there for that, you know, Rocky will handle all that stuff, but, you know, they're going under our umbrella, so I got to make sure things are in place, I got to make sure there's no fuck-ups, and then I got to leave before the show uh, starts because uh, I talked with my guy Sanjay Dutt and we're going to be assisting them a little bit at AEW. And, uh, you know, I've been invited with the kid and we're actually going to be backstage at the at the pay-per-view. You know, I thought Sunday Joey would do his show and I'd be done for the day. But I can't miss out the opportunity because if you look at that roster of AEW, man, so many of our guys yeah. are there. So many guys that got their start were with us before they were at AEW. You know, it's like the main event, two of the two of the four guys worked for us in Jungle yeah. Boy and Sammy Guevara. Guevara only once, but Jungle Boy we had used a few times and, and we're looking to start to really incorporate him in there. So Brian Cage has got a singles match. Matt Hardy will be around, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jay Lethal is going to be right. there. Jeff Jarrett, who we got to have a great relationship with. So, you know, we're excited. Taya, the former women's champion, going for a title. Right. So no matter where you go, you know, you're going to look around and see somebody that I know because they worked with us. So, you know, it's great to see even a guy like uh, Will Hobbs when he was part of Cold Cold World. It wasn't a long time, but, you know, that they got over pretty quick. And yeah. he has gone on to bigger things than a lot of people ever expected. So yeah. I haven't seen him, you know, since... The Silverton in probably 2016, you know, so it's going to be nice to catch up and see a lot of familiar faces. Is that something that when you look at um, 
the totality of having, you know, more opportunities for wrestlers, whether it be AEW, Impact, um, NXT, uh, you know, than just where we were at 2010-ish, where it was pretty much TNA uh, and uh, ROH were the only other companies where guys could get national TV exposure. Um, is that something that is kind of the the fruitful payoff right now is having the different companies come in and being able to see these people who have come through Vegas and are, you know, in some way connected, even if they have wrestled maybe once or twice for FSW, but just having that, um, you know, kind of that, um, that brotherhood, that bond of, uh, knowing that they worked with you and they still, um, are appreciative of those opportunities, you know, years on. Um, is that is that something that's rewarding to you? Well, the one thing that lasts is somebody's legacy. And love me, hate me, you know, you can have a list of people who hate my guts. You got people who hate my guts but respect me. You got people who, who love Joe DeFalco. And, like, one of my proudest moments is that I saw Royce and Jarrell, they get to go to Japan for the first time together as a tag team. And Jarrell puts the post, and it was easily, could have been bypassed, but it was created by Joe DeFalco. So, for all the people who like watching the 1%, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, there's a lot of people who have no idea that... Right. They were two guys that were just part of a company trying to get their foot in the door, trying to get on shows. I saw something special. I thought that they could be really solid as a tag team. And I could take all the credit in the world for putting them together, but they have to get all the credit in the world for making it work. There's plenty of teams I put together that fucking shit the bed sucked. They wanted to be single guys. And they could give a fuck about being a good tag team because they thought they were going to be the, the, the superstar singles guy. And, and you could tell by the work ethic, you know, and I prided myself with putting a lot of teams together, you know, Hammerstone and Graves, you know, and numerous tag teams that have come through the circuit who have done good things. And so, at the end of the day, when I'm long gone and if the kid's running the show or whatever it is, Joe DeFalco will be remembered in Vegas because there was no wrestling for 10, 12 years before we started. And I'm a wrestling fan. So I went out there and I tried to put on the best shows and bring in the best guys. And that's why the Young Bucks were on the very first show we ever had and Kenny King and you know, even when we did small shit shows at, at Rush's school back in the day, our roster of three shows was better than anything anybody else had seen in Vegas. We had Snooker Jr. We had Ace Steel, who people back then had no idea who he is. Bison Smith, Mike Knox, Snooker Jr., Derek Nykirk, all these guys who ended up after us which is no similar than when I did the IWF, all those guys. 
getting the eye for talent. And, you know, I continue to do that. And that's why I'm excited about that Future Legends tournament. You know, it, it's some great guys that are between the ages of 15 and Bodie and 18 and Billy Starks and 20 and Hunter James and Starboard Charlie, like 21. And it's up to the up to 25 years old. There's 13 guys in there that yeah. are outstanding. And that's kicking things off on the Thursday. And, and that, is, is that, is that uh, one of the only times we'll be able to say old man Vandergriff? Yeah, I think he's the, uh, I, I think him and one other guy are like 25. So, yeah. you know, there, there's so much going on trying to do Saturday. There's so many shows, you know, trying to get food trucks and all they want is the money. And I get you want the money, but I'm not paying for you to make money. Oh, sorry. You went out and only made 300 today. No, you got to make 500 and I got to owe you money to make you money. Like, get the right. fuck out of here. That ain't going to happen. So, you know, that's another avenue that I have to work on, on what we're going to do. Because if you're there for all the shows, you got Melter at 10, it goes right into Ed's show at noon. Well, that show will end about 2-ish. Two, two, and then Ben's show at 3. And that ends right. about 5-ish. And our doors will open at 6 for the... You know, FSW GCW show, which we have to rearrange the room after Ben's show because we now have to add all the seats on the sides. Because right. where we normally do first row will now be second row because our front row and our second row are sold out. When we do a high octane show, the second the second row is right in front of the bleachers. And right. that's it. And now we got to figure out, hey, what are we going to do in the corner? It might have to be standing room only because all we have left is general admission tickets. Right. And and then after that show, we got to pull the seats out. And I'm thinking of an idea uh, for Natural Born Killers because that won't be the most attended show of the week. But being that it's this dingy idea of this dirty fights that are going on, I'm thinking of uh, – tarping off the bleachers and basically compact it to everything is around the ring. And again, that could still be two rows. Right. But it's natural born killer. So there's stuff that one's the easiest to put the seats right next to the ring because everything is going to be inside the ring. So now you have people pounding the mat. They're right there. And I think that could be a little bit different feel. You know, I'm still going to talk to Tom and a couple other guys and see what their thoughts are about taking the ropes off. So, yeah, you know, th there's just things that in the head we got to do. We take the ropes off. Well, then we got to put them back on because there's a show the next day at noon uh, for Joey's, whatever. But there's so much. And even with the kids show, like, you know, I'm helping out with him on that. And trying right. to help push it and promote it. And I'll be there. Like last time, I worked the door for his show. You know, but I'm making sure like, hey, dad. It's like, dude, this is your show. You go do it. You want to ask me a question? Great. But uh, the reason, since you know everything, is why don't you do everything? 
because I know you think that I don't do anything. You know, it kind of runs lampant. Like, oh, you just do the shows. And it's like, well, for you, it's just doing the shows. For me, right. it's all the process around it. Finally getting the tickets on sale at the Silverton. Waiting for him to come back. Hey, Mikey made the flyer that said Silverton Hotel Casino. Well, they can't use that. They're going to take it off. And I have to send it to them. And we're trying to get everything out there. And the ticket situation is still a fucking clusterfuck. You know, because everything's yeah. got to be through there. Because in 2019, you can get a physical ticket. Nowadays, everything's mobile. Everything's right. to you on the phone. Trying to get our fans who are so used to buying tickets through us. Hey, can I just PayPal you the money? Because I've made them lazy. They don't have to go through a process. They just hit a button on FSW. Now it's like, oh, wait, I got to go through the Silverton side. I got to go find it, even though here's the link. And I'm pretty sure they can do it because I know they go to concerts and they went to AEW. So, you know, I'm pretty sure Tony Khan uh, isn't going to hand deliver the tickets to them. Well, but, they, but they've been spoiled by Joe DeFalco. So it's now trying to get them out of that process and okay guys you got to go through there but then we deal with charities and we deal with wrestlers selling tickets well how do you sell a ticket when you don't have the ticket okay we put them on the list but we can't just put them on the list because they got to get a ticket whether it's on the phone like when i get my guy omar and he gets when we go to the knights game or the, uh, the the Vegas Vipers, the indoor football that we did. You know, it was easy. AXS, he sends me 12 tickets, 14 tickets. I just transfer them. Give me your email. But now to get the email for you to open it, you have to now have an AXS account to go on there to get the thing. Yep. So it, it's the process. The wrestlers sell the tickets for less. Well, I can't eat $8 a ticket because of the fees. If you sell a ticket for $15 and I'm eating eight of it, it's seven bucks. Well, that room's costly. So we got to try to figure out how to get the money in. And it's like, they have the four pack. Okay, cool. That I'm using that as the basis, the family four pack. Now, the problem is I buy a family four pack. It's one ticket. So I only have one ticket fee. Great. So it keeps that cost a little lower. So I don't have to eat as much. But now the problem is, if it's a family four-pack, can I transfer one ticket to Matt and one ticket to Bob and one ticket to Steve, or do they got to come in as the group before? Well, right. when Ice and Rochelle and Braxton and whoever else is selling tickets, well, they're just getting a list. Okay, they got 20 people. So, okay, I'm going to do five family four-packs. But I got to make sure, because now I got to contact them again, because I got to make sure I can transfer those tickets. So me as the promoter, I have to now go fucking online and buy the tickets to then transfer the tickets. Because I don't have other things to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's all these little things that add up. And when, yeah, it's easy. Oh, yeah, one little thing. But there's a hundred of those little things. Yeah, and it, it gets more complicated. I don't know if a lot of people, you know, let, let's face it, you know, you were kind of saying uh, earlier 
let's say GCW, GCW runs a show, you know, every couple of weeks, uh, but they're also running, uh, you know, here, there, and everywhere, um, and they're not going to be dealing necessarily with a ticketed, um, you know, in your case, casino, um, where you have that process to deal with and those things to, you know, figure out. So it's interesting in that fact that not only are you looking at those uh, differences between being a school and having multiple shows in a month, uh, but also, you know, the difference between running an arena show in which is fairly clear-cut and forward and easy process and dealing with a bigger casino show where now you, <laughs> unlike the Silver Nugget, where, you know, people were purchasing through you guys, yeah, you have to use Silverton's ticketing process. And for you, in terms of those, um, you know, was that the hardest part of that negotiation was trying to make them realize uh, that, you have to now go through different steps uh, that really kind of affects your business um, when in actuality you're bringing them a lot more business and do they even care? That's the most important part because again, the guy I'm dealing with, Jamie, he likes our wrestling. He was there when we did the last show in January of 2019. He wanted us to be there. But he has a job working for the Silverton. So right. he has to conform to what they want. They're not taking my show or the random Friday night show that people just show up to that they probably pay those people to be there. That was always my biggest issue. It was like, we're bringing you as much and in most cases more people to your casino then that guy that you're paying or that girl juice newton whatever it is you know you're, you're using your you're utilizing house seats to give away yeah. 300 tickets so there's 500 people there yeah. well you're probably paying juice newton thousands of dollars or billy ocean well billy ocean i don't know what he draws but i've seen a lot of shows there and I see a lot of localish type shows. I remember going there to get tickets and they've had, you know, those Friday night dance parties, whatever it is. They're still paying the DJ and people and there's 34 people there. And it's like you would think that somebody who brought you 400, 700 people would be a valuable commodity. Yeah. That we're self-sufficient. We set up the chairs for you so we're not costing your labor of bringing in people to do those things. You're, you're providing an audio and sound guy that now we're paying for, which, okay, you know, that, that, that's cool. That's what it is. But we're paying X amount of dollars. And I've never heard a place questioning how many comp tickets that I want. Yeah. And it's like they're complimentary tickets. Why would you care if I want 500 complimentary tickets? Oh, yeah. The problem is they have an outside sourced ticketing company that want to be paid on every ticket. And because yeah. they made that deal 
Like even at Samstown, they went through Ticketmaster, UNLV tickets, whatever it is. It was called a consignment ticket. Like I can't right. get a consignment ticket. You give me 50 tickets, okay? Whatever the value of the ticket is, I keep the money, and you take off what the fees are. So there's the LET. So on a $40 ticket, the LET is $3.60. You're charging a dollar to print the ticket, so you're getting four sixty. And if there was taxes, just say five bucks on a ticket you're getting. Oh, yeah, they used to charge the same time. Oh, we got to charge you on top of what we're charging you, like $3 a ticket. Okay. So you're getting $7 a ticket that I sell. And the, the ticket price ends up being 45 because of all the fees. Whatever. So I get $38 of the ticket. Well, at the end of the day, I haven't given you a dollar. Right. I now have collected 74 tickets. We multiply all that out. And on the $8 on the 74 tickets, that's what I owe you back. So I owe you $600. Well, you sold X amount of tickets. So my cut was going to be whatever it is. So if it's over 600, you will cut me a check the next week. If it's less than 600, I would have to give you the money. Seems kind of an easy process to me. If we wanted to have vet ticks, why am I limited? I have sponsors. Well, the sponsor gets a front row ticket. So he's not buying a ticket through the thing. Why do I got to pay a fee for that? No, I don't have to because I need X amount of tickets. So we negotiated that. We went from 30 to 50. You know, a lot of the younger wrestlers were not comping in all their family and friends. But somebody like Chris Bay has his mom at the show. I'm not charging Chris Bay's mom to come in. So there's people who've been with me for 10 years that I don't charge their mother or their father for coming in. Right. So why would I have to pay? Because you guys are trying to get your ticketing agency's fees of $4.50 processing fee to save me on my rate, which in the long run ends up being more. Yeah. Because if we sell 200 tickets, that's $1,000. You charged me 500 less than what you told me the rate was. So right. you're actually going to make more money on the deal. So whether I ask for 100 comp tickets or 300 comp tickets, who cares? Oh, wait. Ticketing company has to print the, t- the mobile ticket because it ain't like they're printing a real ticket. Right. Yeah. So yeah. would in reality, uh, it's just making sure that they get theirs too. Right. And, and, when, and you're not, when you're not impact, you know, I heard some of the numbers and I, I don't believe them. But I've heard the numbers for impact at Samstown and how much they paid Samstown. And it was fucking out of this world. But when you think about it, it's probably true because they yeah. now get a casino rate. A lot of times it's for three nights. Right. A casino rate on a Friday and Saturday is still going to be whatever, 80 bucks, 100 bucks. You're getting 30, 40 rooms for people. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I heard in the six figures, and that's the only reason why. Because I only look at it as, oh, well, they rent the room, eh, 10 grand, whatever, 15 grand, uh, you know, whatever. 
we've paid, you know, between two and five. Okay. Right. But then you're not adding on those additional costs of all the rooms. And are you getting, you know, meal vouchers and all the stuff? You know, right. the funniest thing I ever remember was when I was involved with the negotiations that if you had a player's card, you can get dinner for twelve ninety nine. Okay? That was the dinner price. Gary at Samstown gave impact meal vouchers and charged them fifteen dollars a head. He charged them more than it would actually cost for somebody to go there. Yeah. Like you're not even saying, <laughs> hey guys, since you're getting three hundred fucking meal vouchers, here, do it for ten bucks. Because right. I, we're getting you on the rooms, we're getting you on the venue. And you know, and that's also the problem. When other businesses come in and they don't care and they're just waiting to sign Oh, how much is it? Oh, okay. Like, oh, okay? Yeah. The yeah. first time that I wasn't involved with the ticketing, they screwed up. And the tickets, instead of being 30 or $40 for front row, it was 30 or $40 for the entire three days for front row. So it was $10 each. And Josh Matthews was the guy that I was dealing with. I'm like, hey, bro, they fucked it up. Blah, 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 blah. And the response made me realize it doesn't matter. And he goes, yeah, well, it is what it is. And it's like, what? It is what it is. Like, nobody gives a flying fuck that they just lost... 300% of their money. And again, they're, they're not a company that relies on the gate because right. they do mainly house seats. And, and, and in most cases, they would sell front row and that would be about it. But if you're selling 100 front row at 40 bucks, that's 4,000, 4,000, and 4,000. So that's 12,000. Instead, you just got 4,000. Right. You lost 300%. Yeah, my, it must be nice to have Sinclair bankrolling you, I you know, so. or whoever, you know, uh, whoever, oh, I guess Axis owns them uh, for for them. Um, when you, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the success GCW had uh, last year, uh, right now, does it look like it's going to be uh, fairly... Um, you know, the same type of uh, feel at uh, the Silver Nugget uh, with their uh, Friday show. And, uh, you know, that's, what is that, about six to 800? Is that about the crowd? Uh, it was well above 800 from what I imagined. Okay. Because there was four or 500 seats out there, and there was a sea of people. I, I just for shits and giggles because I didn't know what they were charging, but I went to the Eventbrite and I saw front row was seventy five plus fees, second and third row were sixty five and fifty five f 
for fee and fees. And they were sold out of all three. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's got to be close to two. Like, they're not like us. When we do the front row, We if we can squeeze 90 motherfuckers in there, we will. Like, I'm right. pretty sure he's set on, like, 60 or 70. So you're probably looking at a couple of hundred for first, second, and third row. But the, the gate is tremendous. But it's also the costs are huge. Yeah. So, you know, their gate is going to be tremendous. But, you know, when you're paying thousands of dollars for – you know, a guy like Cardona and Vikingo and and the regulars that are on the show and right. the flights and the hotel and, and all the other stuff, you know, that show might cost them $25,000. Yeah. So, you know, in most cases when you said, hey, how was your gate? Oh, we did $22,000 gate. It's like, oh, shit, you probably made ten fifteen thousand dollars but i can right. guarantee you on a twenty five thousand dollar gate gcw isn't profiting ten thousand dollars right um when you look forward to uh this uh coming gcw fsw show uh is there any matches that stick out to you that um either you felt passionate about or that you had to kind of, uh, you know, convince Brett that this would be uh, a good matchup or, uh, you know, what, what was that process like in getting these matches together? And is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to? Well, I'll tell you, the process, as always with Brett, is extremely difficult because a motherfucker is impossible to tie down. Like, he actually had a question for me the other day. So, of course, I try to follow up. He's like, hey, we'll touch base in the next day or two because we're running Columbus. Because, again, he's running in three different cities Friday, Saturday, and Sunday if he's not in Jersey. And he's running in two cities the week before that. And, you know, he had some drama while we were trying to get the stuff done with the wrestlers complaining like they all do, you know. Oh, well, he underpaid, and this was that, and I saw that there was some some drama that that he's had. And as a promoter, I understand. I know. I, I see it. You know, I look at him a little differently. He's a guy that's paying guys, and you see the regular guys that are on their show, that they're getting eight to ten bookings a month. So, obviously, it's it's like... Me with Hammerstone and Bay and, and Royce and Jarrell now and Tito. That guys who've been with me for a long time, they're going to give me a little better rate than they're going to give somebody else. Some that we train like a Chris Bay or a Hammerstone, they're going to give us a way better deal than somebody else. There's always those who feel that they're deserving of more. And it's like, well, that's great that, hey, I can work for 500 over there. And it's like, great, take the 500 and go work over there. You're one time a month, if you're lucky. Or come back over here, and you're going to work six times a month at 300 and 350, and we're going to have 800 people at a GCW show where there's rabid fans because you're in all different cities. So it isn't like, oh, we're back in Vegas for the 100th time this month. Uh, Go buy my show again. No, you're, you're in... 
30 different cities. So besides being paid, you're also getting that. Now, I don't know the inner workings in, in, in those situations, but from the outside looking in and, and having to deal with those same issues, you know, there's always a lot of bitterness. Oh, well, I heard this guy gets a little more than that guy and that. And it's like, okay, well, loyalty goes a long way. You know, we've had people who are not happy with what they're being paid. And it's like, bro, I'm not saying you don't deserve X amount of dollars. But if you want to be a part of something and we're doing shows at the school, that's great. You're going to get more on the casino show. Well, I can't use you on a casino show if I've built nothing up that led into the casino show. Right. So you have to work for less. And in most cases, it's not a problem. Look at our roster. We have great people on that roster who are willing to do that. There's no nonconformity. It isn't like, oh, okay, I'm going to pay you your regular rate on all these shows. That's disrespectful to the Bays and the Hammerstones who've come in for me for years and have done that. So one thing I am a stickler on because as they say about Joe, you know, he doesn't pay the best. Go ask Brian Cage, but I pay you what I say I'm going to pay you, okay? And if you're not happy with it, well, then you don't work. Not a problem. You go you go do your thing over there. But I have a million people knocking down the door. Referees. Oh, I can make my way out there. Guy's really good out of Florida, but it's like, Bro, I don't really need another referee. I'm not going to not have one of my guys get a spot because you want to fly yourself in from Florida right. as good as you are. that It's just not necessary, you know? And when it comes to the wrestlers, wow, four months ago we were like, man, this tag division all of a sudden we're kind of struggling a little bit. And then – you know, three Facebook messages, and now we got Tito and Shay, we got the Bodega, and we got Royce and Jarrell. Yeah. yeah. You know, any company on the West Coast builds their division by bringing one of those teams in. We're talking right. about three of those teams. And then working with the existing talent that we have. And in reality, we added another tag team. With, with class and and right. his and his group. Right. So what implodes gets rebuilt. And that's what the staying power about FSW is. You know, we have a lot of the same people. It, it can get stagnant. Right. But by doing these different things, the legend rise, the natural born killers, FSW versus GCW. You know, we want to do that every year if we can, FSW, GCW. Want to work with Booker T. Want to work with Defy. I'm the guy who's reached out to all these companies to do this. And yeah. and, we, and we've seen it. Now a lot of companies are doing that. It's like there's a reason why Defy can run in California is because they're running and they're involving themselves with a company in California, which is going right. to help. And, you know, it's the same way. If we ever did a show in Jersey, 
the only way it would work is if we had the GCW, you know, backing. We right. need their we need their support, and we like to think that we help them a little bit. You know, not as much as they'd help us. I'm not. I'm not ego driven driven enough to be like, oh fuck these motherfuckers coming into our town. Blah 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 blah. blah. No, let's let's figure out how to work together. That's why AEW is contacting me because again, I talk about cultivating the relationships. And Sanjay Dutt is now an important part. And I've said nothing but great things. And I love Sanjay for years. And it started at the Global Force thing. He helped us there. He helped us at Impact. When he was in WWE, he got Chris Bay the match that got him signed at Impact. So his boy, Sean Davari. Well, my boy, Sean Davari. Oh, he's the WWE guy. Do you need something? Hey, they came in and filled some stuff. And I'll be 100% honest. You know, I got contacted, and they're like, hey, we'd love to use your facility, blah, 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 blah. We're going to film it for WrestleMania. Awesome. That was payment enough for me. Davari's like, oh, they kicked you back some money? I'm like, nah, I signed the paperwork. It was cool, you know, having you guys come down. Oh, let me let me talk to John Cohn, who runs that stuff. And right. I actually talked to them yesterday. So now they're going to give us some money to be there. For, for using the facility, which is fine. They're a billion-dollar fucking company. Throw us some fucking crumbs. But I'd rather you, like, utilize us in other ways that helps build our brand instead of a few hundred bucks. Who cares? Right. You right. know, that, that pissed away in a casino any day on a sports bet, whatever. Buying, uh, buying a lobster tail. You know, money's fleeting. As long as you have enough to live, Having the extra, yeah, that's cool. I can go on a vacation or, or, or whatever, but you know, it, it, it's right. the passion of doing the wrestling stuff, which my—that's what my kid doesn't understand. Like, hey, you know, maybe you should step down. You know, you don't really like going to the school. I'm like, okay, being the owner of a wrestling school, I don't really need to be there. See, the problem was in the past, I was there all the time because. You talked with people. It was it was it was cool. Now there's different people there, and 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 now all of a sudden the, there's a big age difference. The younger right. kids they they have a different mentality, you know. And sometimes you just don't want to deal with it, you know, because when you're here and you're here, it seems like I hear a lot more from the people here about what they're not getting than the people here. And I've never stopped having a passion to do the wrestling shows. But what my son always tried to instill in him that he doesn't get, it's like you're going to do stuff for 27, 28 days a month that you don't love doing for the two thing for for the two times or three times that you do do something that you love. Like I, you know, this is a lot of work, but I love doing AEW weekend. I loved when SummerSlam was in town and we got to put together and not only did we work with FS with GCW and then we did the show and took a shot, which we literally took a shot and said, you know what? We're going to run a fucking show at 12 fucking noon on a Saturday when SummerSlam's running at five o'clock. And what'd we yeah. do? We packed the fucker. Yeah. And it's taking those chances and, and taking those risks. Because it's like the anniversary show. We got the Bullet Club. And it's like, who who could you bring in that's really going to, like, 
oh shit, I gotta buy a ticket for this. You know, right? That's the good and bad of all these other companies now who've signed all these top tier talents that are now considered TV guys who now their rate has doubled or tripled and now there's different politics involved with finishes and who they're working against and what company and, and it makes it a difficult process but you know you always have to do things fight plus hey you know what we're not really making a lot on here and we're getting far less viewership you know we got five shows that are going to be on even uh, ed's women's show is going to be on fight plus at 12 noon that we're producing so you know we've gotten into that game where we're producing events when people do come into town if they choose to you know joey and his crew went to california a couple of years ago during the pandemic and did all the production for one of the gtw blood sports shows right so you know one hand washes the other and with us every, that's why when every company comes to town We've swept the board this year. WWE, AEW, Impact, when Ring of Honor was here, GCW. You know, it doesn't matter who they are, where the company they're going to deal with. And then after everything's said and done after Sunday, I'm going to walk in Monday, my day of rest, and we got a Hooventude Guerrero seminar. Right. So, no rest for the wicked. Thank God I only put in like two hours a day all the other days, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt that I think, um, and, and you've, you've got a, a fine point with the school, you know, being kind of uh, a separate entity from the actual wrestling events. And, you know, it's a different mentality to run a school. But, I mean, how, often, how often was Bassman there? I was just gonna say, Bassman was never there, and 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 Brett Brett Wagner Schwag did all the you know all the collecting, and he was the go-to person. He was the the point person to all the stuff involving the school, and it was the trainers who made the school run, and that was it. So, I mean, that's and that's what I see in your structure as well. You know, the it's the the trainers and the guys who are passionate who've been around FSW for. You know, a number of years, like Remy and like Cody, um, that you know make that thing continue on its own. But you don't have to be there because that shit you don't have to deal with. That's not your, you know, that's not your actual job um, because that's not a promotion. That's a school. <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? And, and that that is one of the things being that it's not a standalone. You know, you see the other companies who started to come on board. All they do is pick, you know, I wish I could do that. Like I said, we didn't use Royce and Giroux. We didn't use Tito and Che. Not because Suavecitos or Sky High or the faction were better. It was because they weren't better. They were cultivated out of the school and were trying to get them opportunities and a lot of the situations are you don't want to really bring in tito and che or the or royce and jarell after they've had their success to just work some young kids in a random tag match well their prices are going up they have other things on their agenda if i was just running 
a casino show every two months and we run six, seven, six to eight shows a year. Well, now it's a lot easier to pinpoint those storylines and you don't need six tag teams. Right. You'll probably only need four. Well, guess what? When you have a school and three tag teams are from there and you're trying to get them some work, as bitter as they may be because they feel they should be on three of the three shows that we do every month instead of one of the three shows, it's like you're lucky you guys are on that show because I have guys that are here that would work for a very fair rate, a Danny Limelight who's wanted to be around for a while. And it's like we've kind of taken a step back to where we are utilizing some more of the bigger names because we are on Fight Plus. We, we are trying to broaden the horizons. And it's like, you know, in July we got five weeks. So we're going we're gonna to start with a future shock on July 1st, I believe. It's that Saturday. And then we're going to run two regular shows. Because, again, good, bad, and different, there's guys that all wrestle every other show in town. The right. Jimmy Jacks. Nick Xander, Ricky Tenacious, you know, Chase Bell, you know, they're Sky High, Suavecitos, whatever it is, Sharp, you know, they all work elsewhere. So yeah. it's a little easier to step back and say, hey, Andy Delgado, you're on, you're going to work the, uh, the Future Shock show and not really right. be that okay, well, what about him there? Because main roster guys, Cody's hurt. You know, this guy, you know, is finished a program. Going to give him a little rest. Hammerstone finally lost the belt. We kind of chilled on what we did with him. We got guys lurking in the background that are, you know, top wrestlers anywhere in the United States. When Chris yeah. Bay says he wants to work, Chris Bay's working. He wants right. to cut promo and promote something. Chris Bay, whatever you need, and it, it, beca- it it's it's such a difficult process because everybody wants an opportunity. So the anniversary show, we get that opportunity. We do the ba- our Nick Bockwinkle Memorial Battle Royal that we started from when we did the uh, the Hall of Fame stuff, and this is going to give. The future shot guys, the Demirs, Brandon G, Rick, even though he's been around a long time, Ricky Tenacious, AJ, Jimmy Jack, Jeffrey Excellence, all these guys. And there's some of them, the Jimmy Jacks, the Jeffrey Excellences, and there's probably more, but those two offhand, they're almost always there helping, regardless right. of what it is. We have a setup for LFC, we have a setup for a women's show. We have a setup with Sin for his stuff. And those guys are always there. Yeah. And it's it's hard because sometimes you can't reward them in the way that you'd like to just because, you know, we're not running a participation trophy show. So right. sometimes there isn't an event that they could be on that you want to. But if there is hey, you know what, I'm going to have a pre-show match. Jimmy Jack, you're going to be on it. You're going to work COA, whatever it is, because you're going to be here and I want to reward you because you do help us out and you go above and beyond. 
Because, yeah, it's easy to say as a student you're, you're supposed to help, but there's so many people who have excuses of why they can't. And whether it's work or whether it's they don't want to move their schedule around, unless magically the day before a show that they weren't going to be able to make, I tell them they're going to be on the show, they were somehow able to be there. Right. You know, there's people that you can count on in a situation that, like, I know this guy's going to come up with an excuse for why he can't be there. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but 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 that's you know that's the difference between I think the um, you know the the people who are passionate about it and uh, the people who are just you know kind of doing it to kind of feed their own ego. Well, that 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 has a lot to do with it because especially now when there's four five other shows in town well he uses me oh he uses me and my response is well make sure you're getting paid because they're not trainees of your school from you're not training at their school right. you know make sure you're not being brought in like a lot of times they are just to put over their shittier wrestler who's not as good as them but they're looking for an opportunity Everybody's looking for validation. Well, yeah. hey, I'm a champ there. Hey, you know, he put me in a match there. Hey, I got to be on that show. And it's like, well, it's great. It's easy. You know, he's picking whoever's running the show. Anybody wants to be on the show. And yeah. you guys are going to work it. You're going to, and in some cases, you're going to get experience. And in some cases, you might get hurt. But, you know, I've never told somebody not to take that opportunity. I just try to explain to him that, or them the value of making sure you understand that, especially to them, they're contacting you. They want you on their show. So right. it isn't, hey, thanks a lot, pat on the back. You aren't part of their company. They're using you on a show. You need to be compensated for that. And the compensation is based on whatever you want to do. But if you're getting a really good match and the compensation is less, 1,000%. But, you know, some people don't want to drive four hours, so they're just going to take every spot. I've heard it from some of the youngest guys that they get put in, a, put in matches just to get beat up. And then they're like, Ooh. but then the next month later, they're back on that show anyway. It's like, don't yeah. fucking whine and bitch to me about it. You know, I'm telling you like it is, you you know, and it ain't me telling you like it is, too. It's also Kenny King or Sin Bodhi or somebody else. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you want to you, you want to tell the world you're a professional wrestler. Well, you're not a professional wrestler when you've had five matches. Right. Yeah. And you can't make training or you have to get off from work to go do a show because the majority of your income is the job. That's right. your job. You're, you're not a professional wrestler. You're a, a part-time hobbyist right. whose goal is... Like I said, I knew Hammerstone when he had a job. I knew Brian Cage when he had a job. 
I knew Chris Bay when he would try to attempt to keep a job. Right. Yeah. And yeah, they've been but, I mean, enough to go out there. And then I see students who came in. You know, no offense to my guy Marvell, but oh, I'll be back. It took him five months to come back because I probably known him for a year and a half, and he's probably had four or five jobs. Yeah. So, you know, and and it, and I explained to him. Obviously, I'm going to take his money. He wants to train, but it's hard to get continuity when you're in for two months, gone for four. Right. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting animal, uh, and um, I think that uh, what you're what you're seeing, for instance, in the Future Legends tournament, that's an example of those people who are young, who in some cases don't have jobs because you know they're right out of high school or still in high school. Um, you see the passion there, and you know I think that that is the kind of the idea is that if you really want to make it in the industry, you got to put everything into it. Um, and if you're not looking to make it in the industry and you're just happy having it being a hobbyist, that's all right too. But you also then can't complain that you're not getting the opportunities and the breaks because you're not pursuing those like some of the other people are. So, well, yeah, makes sense. You know, a, a thousand percent. And I'll tell you what, going out there and doing things and getting yourself seen, you know, years ago it was frowned upon. You're, you're a mark if you would book your own flight to go somewhere to get on a show for an opportunity. Well, right. those opportunities have gotten people at AEW They've gotten opportunities because they they invested in themselves. They went to that tryout. Oh, it's a money grab. Oh, New Japan. Now, Matt Vandegrift, who is high up on the indie chart scene, you know, West Coast, he paid to go to the dojo for a 12-week course. Yep. Now... There's other people who would say, you've already been trained. You're getting to wrestle on shows. You've worked some of the best in the world. Why would you do that? It's just right. a money grab. Or why did Gregory Sharp, who's been all over, Jacob Austin Young, they went to the camps and they paid X amount of dollars. Yep. Well, they were confident enough in their skill level that they felt they needed to be seen. And in some cases, you need to be seen. Yep. So I'm going through my list, and we're going to talk about Legends Rise, okay? We know we got Bodie. We know we got Matt Vandergrift. He's our guy. We know we got Jay Vidal. Oh, Impact's running. Jay Vidal's out. Uh, we got a young guy who came out a couple years ago, Jared Diaz, another fellow Puerto Ricanio from, uh, from the Bronx. Tried to come out a couple other times. It didn't work out. I get it. Money issues. You got to fly from New York to Las Vegas. But they, they're they coming out this show. So he's got a friend, Richard King. They did the dojo. 
So I hear good things about Richard King. Oh, you're 23? Oh, okay. We're going to use you for the show. Chris Bay. Hey, there's this guy. Robert Martyr. He's really good. Check him out. Oh, yeah, this guy's really good. He's had matches with Davey Richards and, and a who's who of, of talent. Hey, I'm going to put this guy on who most people have no clue who this motherfucker is. Okay? Yeah, right. people, of course, know Jordan Oliver, but he's really taken off over the last year. He's gotten in amazing shape. Starboy Charlie started really young. Nick Wayne, got to have him in the tournament. Oh, he's going to be in Europe. Hey, we got Billy Starks. Oh, shit, we got Billy Starks, and it looks like now she's in AEW. But we got her beforehand because she's only 18 because we used her a year ago when we did the Revolver show. And now it's like Frank from the Future Legends. Guy, Guy showed me a belt that's awesome, and he's like, hey, I got a new belt for it. Like, dude, what was wrong with the other belt? The other belt's fine. So he's got a guy, Hunter James. He's out of Atlanta, 20 years old. All right, good look. Get him in. Casey Navarro, Warrior Champion. Russell Bay at our anniversary show. Guy is taking off. WWE tryout. Worked MLW. Worked AEW. He's 24. You know, good chance by next year he might be in NXT. He's in the tournament. Titus Alexander, considered probably the best indie West Coast guy. Yep. He's in the tournament. And it's like, oh, Culture Inc. They got a buzz. Eli Knight. Chris Bay. Put him over. Needed a guy. And all of a sudden, I ended up with 13 guys in the 12-man tournament. And I also had Commander booked. But when I had him booked... He hadn't been on AEW yet. So now he's finishing up with GCW. So he would have been in it. Nick Wayne would have been in it. Jay Vidal would have been in it. It might have been a two-day, 16-man tour. Yeah, exactly. But but why is that? There might be a Tom Smith in North Dakota who's as good as all these guys. But Tom Smith never got out out of his area. Nobody really knows him. And, and yeah. how, how are we going to know that this guy's any good? Yeah. And, and that's what making the connections. That's what going to the seminars and going to the tryouts and keeping your name. When Sean Dabari is a trainer at FSW and he's running an advanced class and six of you show up. Oh, you know, Sean Dabari. Uh, you mean the guy who was just working as an agent for WWE? Who's to say he's not going to go back? Guess what? Four months later, he went back. Yeah. And we have a pipeline for Sean to look at somebody if I if if I ask him to. He knows right. Van de Griff and and Damian Drake and and Hero Lou. Why? Because they used to come to his class. Right. So he's hey, how's he doing? Hey, how's he doing? And he yeah. knows certain people. So, hey, uh, Rey Mysterio wants to come in. Is it cool if I ask Damian Drake to help come in with training? Whatever. All those opportunities are there for the taking. Right. If you do the right thing. You spend a little yeah. time. You invest in yourself. So, you know, it's a little bit of money. Is Hubertu Guerrero going to get you a job in AAA? No, but he's probably going to teach you something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, there's not a lot of professions that you get that opportunity to 
study from people who have done it and um, and, and done it on an elite level. Um, and also, it's funny too because it's also a profession where there's such a um, a stigma around. Um, let's say, you know, Sean Devari. Well, Sean Devari is not The Rock, right? We know that. But Sean Devari put in the time, made it, was on TV, became an agent. There's so much more there than what we just think of as the wrestler and the character that was presented to us. And I think a lot of times that the younger guys, they don't understand that quite, you know, as much um, because they have that vision of them as someone as a mid Carter or someone, you know, who, who didn't hit the highest levels. And that's where you miss your opportunities to learn and grow is when you just put that label on someone who quite frankly is essentially giving you a, you know, a, a master's class in, your profession that you want to be in. So, you know, and, and again, yeah. there's never any disrespect. Booker T's great. Love Booker T. He's done a lot. But we literally had almost 50 people come to his seminar where at least 15 of them had to fly in from another state. Yeah. And, and Booker T can give you the heads up, everything to do with WWE, things like that. But we've had guys... And, and, and a lot of the younger talent, they're usually not super heavyweights. But it mind boggles me that when we had guys like TJP and Davey Richards and PJ Black and Lance Hoyt for the super heavyweights, that almost nobody would come to these seminars. Like, yep. you, you telling me that Davey Richards or TJP, if you're a... 170 pound cruiserweight trying to make it. How does everybody in the no limits division not want to spend? And, you know, we saw one recently Tito's taking over for in San Diego and they're doing a Rocky Romero seminar and it's a hundred dollars. We've never charged more than I think 75. And that was the Jeff Jarrett and he was running global force at the time. Okay. And again, because Rocky Romero did a seminar with us with Jushin Liger, and he got to wrestle Jacob Boston Young, and the seminar because it was Liger, we probably had forty people there, right? Seventy-five bucks a pop. They, Carl Fredericks was there, and then when they had applications, he got picked to come in as one of the the young boys for the dojo. So right. again, that connection was 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 pre made. So. Rocky Romero at $100 three years ago, five years ago, would have never drawn anything. But now right. he's the guy that you want to get booked on New Japan Strong. You want to hopefully go to Japan. Now everybody's going to clamor to do it because they think that's going to be their cheap way in of getting looked at at New Japan. Right. Yep. You, yep. You know what I mean? And it's yep. like, that's 100 bucks. Like, we were offering stuff at 30 or 40 with some of the best in-ring talent you're ever going to see. TJP yeah. lives here, and he's run classes that would – our students, eight people show up. 
six people show up. Like, this one didn't even cost you a fucking dollar. I paid him out of my pocket to run the class for two hours. Yeah. Like, how are you not there? Yeah. But then scream to me about how much you want it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, this weekend will be a good, uh, a good little um, uh, testing, you know, of, of those people who are going to be around, you know, even if you're not on the shows, you know, are you going to be around the atmosphere? Are you going to be around and soak up the knowledge? And, um, you know, I think that's always a thing. Um, final word, Joe, as we uh, wrap up here. Well, you know, uh, make sure you stop and say hello. As busy as I am, I will be for sure out there. You know, all weekend long, running around. Hopefully, you know, I don't have to do commentary. On Thursday, we got a guy, Walker Stewart, uh, out of uh, Oklahoma. Okay. I think he's called the Velvet Voice or something. So he'll be joining uh, Jake on commentary. Uh, you know, we're looking forward to that. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an MMA guy for Natural Born Killers. So... Dave Mazzani feels he might be too intoxicated because he's graduating from being to become a firefighter. Right. And it's yeah. like, dude, I don't care if you're drunk. You might be funnier. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah. So I'll be running around. I'm going to be trying to get food for everybody. So, you know, we definitely will have a lot of liquid. Our swamp cooler has been fixed. It seems like it's been relatively comfortable in there as long as it ain't 110 we should be good. Right. It won't be a repeat of the uh, Rancho Swap Meet when we did our first Memorial Day weekend, very first show uh, that we had done. So, you know, you're going to see, and again, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces throughout the weekend uh, because, again, we want to take advantage of the guys who are from out of town. So it's, it's going to be fresher. So if you're an FSW fan, you're going to see FSW guys, but you're also going to see a whole breed of new talent that if you watched AEW Dark, you've probably seen them there. If not, it might be your first time. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to see some some new talent, you know, yeah. you know, hit the stage. And, you know, you're talking about the FSW GCW show. Uh, I think some people are clamoring to see what Maserati could do against Rina Yamashita. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I never answered that one question, but for whatever reason, I'm looking forward to seeing Gringo Loco because he never really wrestled on any of my shows ever. And he's a guy for a bigger dude, does some super cool shit. And I think that six man tag with uh, Bodie Vandegrift and Damian Drake against Jack yeah. Cartwheel, who is blown up. Gringo Loco, and I haven't seen a lot of his work, but it's been praised Alec Price, so that yeah. should be uh, a very exciting uh, six-man. And again, Hammerstone and Janela, the two faces that really helped solidify each company in a one-on-one -on -one match. You know, the question is, how many cigarettes will Joey Janela smoke during the match? Well, to get those uh, questions answered, you got to 
come down and watch the show. So check it go. out and uh, enjoy the uh, the week, Joe. And uh, everyone listening, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next time.